Welcome to Celluloid Citizens, a podcast about film. I'm Sean M. Thompson. And I'm Tiffany Morris. I'm wearing an eye patch. Uh, no comment. I am not. <laughs> You're not. I'm trying to get into the Halloween spooky season spirit because we're going to be covering Cry Baby Lane, a uh, made-for-TV film that was made in 2000 for the Nickelodeon uh, Network. It was starring, or is starring, Jace Blankford as Andrew, Trey Rogers as Carl, and Frank Langella as Mr. Bennett, and uh, Lark Spies as Kenneth. Directed by Peter Lauer and written by Peter Lauer and Bob uh, Mittenhall. I want to say Lauer was involved with Pete and Pete, but I'm not entirely sure. That's what I remember, something like someone involved with Pete and Pete worked on this. <laughs> but that could be totally untrue because I also... Oh, okay, yeah, he did four episodes of Pete and Pete. Um, the rumor on the internet before I had seen this movie was that it was banned by Nickelodeon. Only aired once and then was banned. Which is actually not true according to the IMDB. It was more like they aired it once and then people forgot about it so they shelved it for a while. And then the internet was like, oh man, must have been a bunch of parents complaining and that's why it never aired again. Which is not what it was. It was just like people forgot about it. So they aired it again in 2011, and uh, yeah, we got it on YouTube. I believe the version I sent you has old ads still in it. Uh, no, I didn't notice any. Oh, okay. Then maybe that was just the one I was watching. I found one <laughs> on YouTube that was like a direct rip from the original airing. So it had Sabrina the Teenage Witch doing the wraparound, and then there were like old Barbie ads and cereal ads and stuff. That's incredible. <laughs> Which I would add, I mean, this film tonally is like, who is this made for? Because yeah. I'm like, this isn't for young, young children. It, no. It, and by Although the I, Yes? I, I think as a young, young kid, I might have liked it. Like, I, I probably, didn't see you know, it, it does have kid. an Are You Afraid of the Dark vibe. But yeah, it's definitely, like, there's like adult stuff. Yeah. There's like adult characters in this where I'm like, as a as a child, I would have been like, why are we on these adult characters so much? <laughs> yes. Like, even as a child. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> How do we even start going into this? <laughs> How to approach it? Um, there's a lot of worms. <laughs> there's a lot of worms, yes. So basically, uh, if you know... Well, I guess Goosebumps. More people know Goosebumps than Are You Afraid of the Dark, probably. So think of, like, a Goosebumps book, like, as a uh, made-for-TV movie. More or less. Yeah. Uh, maybe even Fear Street, like, some sort of unholy abomination combination of the two. Um, yeah. Or a yeah. Christopher Pike book. Um, yeah, but something a little like more middle-grade than that. Yeah, because our main, I think the main character is probably, what, 12? Yeah, he yeah, says he's 12, 12 at some point, because he hangs out with a nine-year-old. Uh, I should mention that kid's name, too. Um, what is that child's name? Uh, Hall, played by Mark John Jeffries. Oh, that was the kid that's obsessed with Lord of the Rings? That's the little black kid obsessed with Lord of the Rings, yes. <laughs> Child of color. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's great. There's some, he has some of the better lines, weirdly. Yeah, totally. 
like, who peed in your cornflakes? That's a classic. <laughs> and then at one point, I mean, we're hopping around, but at one point, he's like, you should marry my mom. And he's like, I'm not going to marry your mom. <laughs> or Andrew is the main character. And he's like, my mom was right. You are pathetic. It's like one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. <laughs> it's a pretty funny movie. It is. Um, I guess I, you know, admittedly, I was looking at this under the lens of like, this was banned by parents. Um, I still think it's maybe a little, there's some stuff that's maybe not okay, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like in general, I'd recommend it for 11 and up, like <laughs> 11 and older. I mean, what I love about it is like the Are You Afraid of the Dark, the classic intro, which was all black and white and just sort of like a nightmare tone poem of like a swing swinging by itself, a lone <laughs> boat, a clown puppet, an attic, you know, there's there's a lot of that kind of imagery at the beginning as Franklin, but, but even better, Frank Langell is telling you this like urban legend about these two um, conjoined twins and how one was evil and one was good, and then one of them got sick, and they died because they shared the same liver. And then the farmer, whose uh, son it was, uh, who was so ashamed of the evil son, cut the dead twins in half and buried one in a fallow field. I had to look up what a fallow field was, by the way. <laughs> Basically, just a field you let, like, nothing happen to for a season, so, like, the ground gets better can tell you're a coastal person <laughs> i lived in the prairies for a while so i know what fallow is <laughs> well i mean i live in middle america now but yeah i'm definitely not yeah definitely not so <laughs> rootin tootin um admittedly one of my th that is one of my things if i see corn or like prairies i'm like oh shit this is scary now just because yeah, i'm not man. used to it <laughs> safe um but yeah so that's the story. He buried one in a fallow field and one in a graveyard, right? Yeah, one in the graveyard. The good son was in the graveyard. Uh, this is Mr. Bennett, Franklin Langella, who's an amazing character. He's a sleazy mortician, basically. Funeral <laughs> director. Great. So, like, he does stuff like, oh, Jim Gaffigan's randomly in this movie, too. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a part where this couple, it's like, clearly one of their loved ones has been, like, you know, they had a funeral or they had a showing. They leave and they're like, thanks so much for providing the the food and everything. He's like, well, I need to talk to you about that. And he runs outside after them. And he's like, actually, none of that was included. That's actually, you have to pay more for that. And he sends them the itemized bill and they're like, $30 for coffee? And he's like, that's pretty standard stuff. And they're like, <laughs> we're going to sue you. I thought we were friends. We're not friends. We're not friends. I'm like, oh, that's so brutal. <laughs> but then immediately afterwards, I think he's talking to his nephew about like, take take that guy out of the good coffin. We're putting him in the chibi. <laughs> right. So he's the bad guy. It was funny, too, because the woman was like, are you trying to exploit us over the coffee? And I was like, does she mean extort? Like, is was the line written that way or did she fumble it? I don't know. I mean, exploit sort of works. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do love, at one point, it's very on the nose. He's just like, I'm bad at my job. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll do we'll do chronological, but I do need to mention this, because as I remember it, so the whole story he told, he's like, I didn't tell you the whole thing. Uh, right. I was actually the one that buried 
the good son, but there was a mix-up, and I actually buried the evil son in the cemetery, and the good son in the fallow field, which does come into play. Um, but yeah, so this is our intro. It's like these two kids, uh, Andrew, who's younger, 12, Carl, who I think is probably 15, maybe a little older. Uh, and they're hanging out with this funeral director, and then they leave, and we get the, um, we get the Not Sisters of Mercy song, theme <laughs> song. Emily was like, this sounds a lot like Black Planet, but they just sort of, like, sped it up a little bit. Yeah, but, well, I was thinking it was the opening to Lucretia, my reflection, like, and then it kind of shifts into the Tales from the Crypt Keeper theme. <laughs> from yeah, almost. Cartoon. Yeah. I was Since like, I know you this? love this, I'll try to do my vocal approximation. Yes. <laughs> Close. And then you put in the actual music. <laughs> and then I did the bass myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to, um, Sean, cut to the actual song right now so people know what it sounds like. Okay, thanks, Sean. Yeah, that's a, that's a gag I picked up from, <laughs> but it works. I'm telling you, you go back and listen, it's funny. Um, and yeah, they're just like riding their bikes. What I appreciate about this film is like, it never specifies where it is. I mean, obviously they filmed it in Canada, but, right. <laughs> um, there's a lot of story. Uh, but it's clearly supposed to be like somewhere economically recessed in the, uh, middle of America's, I would say. Yeah. So we're sort of establishing there's... the town. It's like they're driving over train tracks. They're driving... Or not driving, they're riding their bikes near train tracks, riding their bikes near, like, fields and cornfields and, you know, trailers and stuff. Yeah, and I think it's clearly a small place just because there's, like, youths of all ages hanging out together, which is, like, just what you do if you're in a very small place because there's no one else to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. So they, yeah, they go home. They definitely go home. What else do they do? <laughs> no, they go home, and we sort of establish that uh, Andrew's sort of a wimp, and Carl is sort of a jerk, and that's sort of their relationship, is Carl's the older brother that, like, beats up on his younger brother. Um, I can't confirm that's accurate. I've never had brothers, but I had a best friend who had an older brother, and, like, he literally did shit like this. He would just, like, pin him oh, to the yeah. ground and be like, you fucking suck, you know, that type of shit. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit, you know, they're establishing he's sort of a bully. Um, I don't remember when, but we are introduced to their parents. Uh, the father is hilarious. Just, like, very, like, don't worry about it, because I'm watching monster trucks and models. <laughs> A very disinterested father. Yeah, like later on when they're like gone, she's like, you need to go out and look for them. He's like, I could go out and look for them. I could get tired behind the wheel and crash my car. <laughs> but what would that achieve, basically? And then she's like, Ugh. and she leaves and he goes back to watching monster trucks. I loved that part. It's just like, you could tell sometimes when people have multiple children. By the time their younger child is older, they're just like, fuck, I'm so over this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, by the they time my sister was like 15, I was like, you guys used to be so like aggro about what I got into and you don't give a fuck about what she does. Yes. Um, well, I mean, like it, I was the middle child. So, you know, like 
I don't know. There was just like the sibling dynamic where even though my older brother was an older brother and I was his younger sister, like we would still fight and stuff, but he wouldn't bully me, which is good. But I feel like, yeah, sibling dynamics just get complicated no matter what. I mean, they do. Yeah. My sister was younger. I am the oldest. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of like, I'm going to watch Evil Dead. I'm 12. You're six, but <laughs> I don't have friends. So you're going to watch it with me. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of that. It's the duty of the older sibling to make the younger sibling cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it backfired because now my sister is like twice as cool as I am. <laughs> Arguably three times as cool. My brother introduced me to a lot of good music and then stopped listening to good music. And I just carried on from there. <laughs> That's a bummer. Um, this is such a weird movie to cover. <laughs> yeah. the Carl, the older brother, is like really into wrestling. He is. He uses a lot of like wrestling-based stuff. It's like you can either... What is it? It's like you can either be king of the ring or you can be bleeding on the turnbuckle or something like that. Something like that. I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Say, bud. I I can confirm though. I've gone to my friend Tom Breen. Uh, is into wrestling, so he'd have me go to amateur wrestling, and I'm not a. I was not a fan. And then we'd go, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like this is actually fun. So live, it can be fun, but I would, with the stipulation, I would say that the like small amateur set is like more fun to watch because like they're not pro yet so they're just willing to be stupid right um that's it almost where, calls for more theatricality oh yeah that's where um it's funny because uh what's his name orange cassidy who is now like semi-pro or pro i saw him when he was still in the amateur circuit doing the same bit which is just like i'm sleepy like, that's his whole thing, is he just wears aviator shades <laughs> and a denim vest and jeans and is very, very lazy. And halfway through the match will sometimes take a nap. Like, in the ring. What an incredible gimmick. Yep, and, like, he never, like, for a lot of it, he won't take his hands out of his pockets, so he'll, like, do the kick back, but just, like, very weakly with his hands in his pockets. <laughs> um. So, yeah, pretty incredible. But, yeah, anyway brothers into wrestling um at some point being friends with the undertaker (laughs) yeah he is friends with the undertaker uh and then at some point carl has this idea to spook the ladies the girls i guess they're friends with like three or four girls um and you're right yeah it is sort of it must be a small town because it's like they have girls that look like they're 15 hanging out with this girl that looks like she's 12 and they're arguing, like, who's going to get who? And I'm like, is it normal for 50-year-olds to be, like, hanging out with the 12-year-old boy? I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. But anyway, they go, and the whole thing is, like, the old brother's like, I'm going to put this sound effects tape uh, under this root <laughs> on this grave, and I'm going to, like, scare the ladies after I tell them the story that, uh, the, I always just think of him as Frank Langella, that Mr. Bennett told us so that's what he does uh and you know they have sound effects and they scare them it is sort of funny that the one of the younger girls is like giving carl shit as he's trying to tell the story (laughs) it's like it was in the 50s and she's like looks over at the grave and it says the person died in 69 she's like 60s (laughs) he's like whatever 60s 
So stuff like that. But in a weird twist of fate that obviously would be true because it's a children's horror movie, uh, there's something weird about the grave they were at for that child. And they start hearing crying and stuff gets weird. There's sort of, it's sort of possession, I guess. Yeah. It's sort of, it's they don't sort really of like, specify, do they? They don't. I, I mean, their eyes turn like bright yellow. So I assume it's supposed to be sort of like a, I don't know the exact paranormal term, I guess possession, but like from a ghost. So I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in hauntology, so. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Basically, they get, they get evil. Ghost. They get evil because the bad kid yeah. gets into them. Because, as alluded to before, um, Mr. Bennett is the one that buried the actual twins who existed. And he goofed and buried the bad son in this grave. And they disturbed the grave. They, they loosened the soul root, which is, I had never heard this legend before. So I don't know if it's made up or not. But basically, you know, there's a there's a vine or a root that would grow out of the the dead body. And if you disturb that, you know, you're disturbing the soul. And if you. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it awakens them or something. It lets the soul loose, apparently. I mean, it doesn't make tons of sense because it was like, oh, no, I think it was if you cut the soul root, the soul is loose. Right. And then to fix it at the end, he cuts the soul root for the good son. So somehow that balances everything out. <laughs> no. I wasn't clear on that when I was watching it. Okay. so that's I've seen this now at least three times and it's not clear. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, and then we get to the fun part where it's just like all the kids go bad. You know, they're like... One thing that confused me was... You'd think it would stick to children, but apparently it doesn't, because there are adults no, that it... go weird, too. Yeah, it jumps all around. Because at and one like... point, yeah, I mean, like, you know, they have the, they establish on the radio, it must be a small town, there's a roving gang of <laughs> little girls doing mischief. And then, like, I think a paint <laughs> can gets tossed at this guy who's listening to the radio broadcast, and he crashes his truck. So right. that's like, you know, but then it's like, they immediately cut to the mail person knocking over mailboxes while driving or something. Right. So that's, I assume, an adult. Yeah, and there's the part where they're actually in the cornfield. And the guy driving the combine's just like, ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another adult that goes wonky. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but it hops around, but mainly seems to stick to children. Um... So stuff starts do getting they weird. Stay, do they stay possessed once they're possessed or does it come and go? I was also not clear on that. I think they stay. Okay. I'm pretty sure they stay. Um, because, you, you know, we established the little girls in the beginning and then later on they do uh, surround Andrew. This was the part where I was like, this is sort of weird. Um, yeah. I was like, why are we having like pseudo sex games in this children's horror movie? Yeah, it was weird. I still don't know and what like Chi-Chi really means. like a cruel prank. Yeah, it's like, oh, what a prank. These these like girls surround this dude, and they're like, you have to kiss one of us, or we're going to beat you up, basically. 
Yeah. I don't know that that's really a prank. So much as a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Not great. And then she has a spider crawl out of her mouth, which is like, like harkens the... back to what um, what the space was saying in the beginning, where it's like, you swallow five spiders a year. <laughs> right. He does throw that out randomly. Um, yeah. I uh, keep coming back to at least this time. Uh, kiss or Chi-Chi? And I'm like, what does Chi-Chi mean? And then eventually this yeah. huge girl shows up, but I'm like, I really hope Chi-Chi is her nickname. Because otherwise it sounds like they're talking about Snoo Snoo. Right. <laughs> she clocks him, right? Yeah, I think she, she like, just punches him. him. Or like pushes him over, yeah. She's dressed like Angus Young for some reason. Oh, they're Girl Scouts. Oh, right, yeah. But yeah, it's so just dressed... very Angus Young. I assume that's like maybe the their older <laughs> scout leader kind of a thing. Yeah. Um... But anyway, that's later on. We're hopping ahead. Um, so, in the most bizarre part, I think, just all around, um, you know, I think Andrew sneaks out for some reason. I don't remember why. His mom's a little helicopter parent. Um, so, Andrew sneaks out. Carl goes with him. They're riding bikes. And Carl is like, let me show you what a man does, basically. And he's like, I'm going to almost die riding my bike across while this train is about to come. And he does. And then Andrew sort of wipes out right before. Um, then uh, Carl is somehow brought to the grave of the bad son and is possessed. Um, they do this, by the way, by having worms that they have this like neon yellow effect on. It's silly, but I think it works for a children's horror movie. Yeah, because at different times it blends in fairly well with the grass, and I'm just like, blah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, um, I think Carl is the first, well, no, I mean, the male person might have been a boy, but the first boy that I noticed who got possessed that's noticeable is Carl. And mm -hmm. uh, at some point, Carl is like, we're having a slumber party. I don't know how he convinces Andrew to strip to his underwear. That part, I st I've seen this three times. I, I will never know how that happens. He falls in the manure. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. It's a very brief shot of him just, like, having run into the barn and fallen immediately into the manure. Oh, I mean, I, I must not clock that every time. But at the same time, it's like, is it better to just be naked? Yeah, I'd just, like, run away covered in manure. <laughs> Find a hose as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess he really wants to go to that slumber party. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's also like you're in a barn. So, like, it already smells like cow shit. Yeah. So who cares, man? You're outside, like. I don't know. I just avoid barns. <laughs> yeah, same. But anyway, so he strips down in his underwear. <laughs> it happens to be red. This will be important. Um, And then a bull shows up. This is the one That's part in this part. whole, I mean, there are two parts, but the one part where I'm like, okay, this is maybe over the line because it's like a bull that could easily kill this child and it's just played for laughs. Yeah. I mean, it's a poorly CGI'd bull. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it's like, cutting edge at the time, but it's still like, okay, well that's, you know, pranks, quote unquote pranks. This is maybe a little more than a prank because it's like. This bull could gore someone and kill them, and yep. your underwear or uh, your brother is in red underwear, so that's not good. 
Uh, but he escapes, obviously, because it's a children's movie. They're not going to kill a child. At least not in this one. Yeah. Uh, and he... Other than the ones that are already dead. Right. And possessing people. Other than the ones that are already dead from sickness. They were down with the sickness. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, one of my favorite, like, kind of uh, montages, uh, Andrew is running in his underwear, it seems like, through the entire town. Yeah. And there's one scene where he's running one way through the town and there's a cat running the other way. And I was like, did they plan that? I don't think, I don't know. I think that was probably <laughs> just happened. Where, like, by the way, great. again, being resident Canadian, where do you think they filmed this? Oh, God, I don't know. Like, it, it, it reads Saskatchewan or Manitoba, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Because I've only spent limited time in Manitoba and no time at all in Saskatchewan, but... But you said Toronto doesn't really have a ton of woods or, like, stuff around it? No, yeah, Toronto's a major city. That's why it's a stand-in for Chicago and New York so often. Um, and a lot of around there is city until, like, hours and hours away, so. And then it's just a different area, so it wouldn't be considered Toronto. Yeah, I mean, it could be northern Ontario. I don't know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so eventually he goes, He f there's this adult party? Um for some reason, yeah. For some reason, just there's a lot of weird, silly sort of country music. Uh, I don't know if it's real. <laughs> yeah. I assume it's all been made for the film. Just I don't like have a the weird lyrics. redneck scene. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but it's definitely something like, I'm a drinking man. It's like, that's the vibe. <laughs> and then they get possessed and they just blow up one of the dude's boats because they're like, huh, this I mean, is this great. Is and again, I'm like, so it was before country music was just lists of shit people like to do or weird jingoism. Sticking a boot up an ass, for instance. Yeah. For the U.S. of A. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is, so again, I have to have umbrage with the, uh, the term pranks, quote-unquote pranks, blowing up your boat. I don't know how much of a prank that is. You know, it's like, oh man, I broke into a house. What a prank. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, like these are just crimes. <laughs> Um, but so Andrew finds some clothes. I don't think this plays because, like, I think that's just everyone already looks so silly to me because they're dressed in two thousands fashions. So right. when they're like, Andrew eventually gets home and his mom is like, Put, "Take off those ridiculous clothes." I'm like, I didn't notice he was wearing ridiculous clothes. <laughs> no, I didn't either. I'm like, they didn't look any more ridiculous than his other clothes. Yeah, that line puzzled me too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is funny we're getting the Gen Z people wearing the 2000s pants again. Uh, yeah. Like the big baggy <laughs> pants. And like the almost the color scheme is coming back, too, which is like a very strangely specific color scheme. I don't know how to sort of like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Like I don't, pants? Oh, I just mean in general, like the palettes, you know, like. Oh, okay. How like back in the day it would be sort of like like a weird sort of blue jean with like a brighter top kind of a thing. Oh yeah. Like a bright orange top. With yeah. Some and then like, you know, it's logo like on it. the, the belly shirt thing. Yeah. I hate the fucking body types are also cyclical because we're apparently back into thin is in. And I'm like, what, what is this? Why is this a trend? Like why are body types trends? Yes. <laughs> right. That that's, I feel like that's dangerous. It's like, it's absolutely dangerous. Like, clothes can be trends, because you can change clothes very easily. 
but anyway. Um, so, oh my god, what hap- What else happens in this fucking movie? So, after that, they figure out... What do they figure out? They figure out something, don't they? Uh, they do. Is that when What's-His-Face is like, I didn't tell you the whole story. Yeah, I mean, we've been cutting in and out. Um, we did, I think, skip a part where Mr. Bennett had heard something weird happen at the cemetery, so he goes and hangs out with the, uh, cemetery <laughs> guy named Gary. The grave digger. The grave digger. It's pretty funny. I'm looking at the IMDb. Gary Perez is played by, or is playing Gary. So, <laughs> it must have been a tough one for him. Um, Gary's pretty great. He's like, you know, Frank Langella goes, like, anything weird happened? He's like, I don't live here. He's like, okay. And he's like, are you going to dig that grave? And he's like, um, it's more than just digging. I got to get the backhoe. I got to put gas in the backhoe. So, I don't know why. It's just his laziness makes me laugh. It's funny. And they get, like, attacked by a dog. Apparently, you know, it seems like the first thing that actually gets possessed is his dog. Yeah. So it also goes from species to species. It's zoonotic. Yes. But so the dog tries to attack them. They manage to get away. Um, And, you know, Frank Langella, Mr. Ben is cutting in. He, like, visits, um, he visits, like, Andrew and Carl's house. And the mom is not a fan because apparently there's a line. He's like, look, it was an honest mistake about your mom. And it's like, what did you do (laughs) at her funeral? How did you miss it? Oh, he said she wasn't presentable. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I want to know this story. (laughs) Maybe maybe she does have a reason to not like him. (laughs) Other than he just like tells really scary ghost stories to her children. But, then, but it's like, they're going to hang out with an Undertaker. What do you expect? It'd be disappointing if he didn't give you very scary ghost stories. But I do, you know, there is this one line, right? You know, it's Frank Langella, so he's a good actor. But he's just like, yeah. he's like, you know, Andrew's like, why did you tell us that story? And he's like, isn't that the reason you come here? Just to hear my ghost stories? And you just this moment of, like, humanity. You're like, oh, man, this dude's, like, super isolated and lonely. To the point <laughs> where, like, the only friends he has are, like, these little kids. Because he'll tell well, them scary stories. Well, maybe rip people off for funeral services. Well, yeah, it is. The, yeah, yeah, I mean, that is... <laughs> look, as he says, <laughs> I'm a bad undertaker. <laughs> like, he must be bad. Friend. He somehow screws up, like, which body to bury. And, like, yes. he's using, like, the cheapy coffins. He also does taxidermy. He's like, animals are so much easier. Oh, yes. There's a weird Shakespearean undercurrent with, like, the comedic gravedigger... That reminded me of Hamlet. I was like, how is this movie reminding me of Hamlet? And also, like, the anxiety about uh, morality and burial. Because, like, that was the whole thing with Ophelia in Hamlet. It was like, um, she had to not be considered a suicide so that she could get a proper burial. And, like, I I don't know if the creators of Crybaby Lane were drawing any inspiration from this. But I was seeing some interesting parallels there thematically. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I don't know that they would have done it intentionally, but who knows? That's just me reading Shakespeare to everything. <laughs> who knows? Um, but yeah, good moment of humanity from this terrible undertaker. Yes, his nephew. What is the nephew's name? Of course, I just closed IMDb. Kenneth, I think it's Kenneth. 
Because I was like, why do they call him Kenneth? Why don't they call him Kenny? He's a kid. I don't know. It bothered me. It is Kenneth. Um, I don't know. Kenneth is... Uh... What can you say about Kenneth? He's also a little bit of comedic relief, I think. He's a little he weird. He is pretty funny. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I can't remember what else. So, okay. Frank Langell is determined. <laughs> Mr. Bennett determines, We, you know, you got to go find the good son where they're buried and cut the soul root, which is what he learns from, actually, have to mention this scene, from Gary. Gary uh, was complaining about being injured by the dog, but then we see him later on at night. He's in his trailer, and he's got some weird country music on, and he's, like, apparently waiting on a woman for a date. And then Mr. Bennett shows up, and he, like, you know, blows out all the candles and takes off all the sexy stuff he has on the windows and he's just like laying under a blanket like come in um but that's when he tells mr bennett he was like what did you said something earlier about how it's bad luck and he's like oh they had there was a soul or there was a root that was disturbed near the grave and it's just like a superstition among uh, grave diggers that um if you there's like a vine or a root and if you disturb it or you cut it then the soul from that grave is free so then later on, uh, Mr. Bennett tells Andrew, yeah, you got to find the good son and cut the soul root, and somehow this will even everything out. In very, you know, children's horror movie logic. Mm. Um, well, it's interesting to me, because kids are, like, really particularly preoccupied with, like, moral certitude and, like, things being fair and in balance and, like, what good and bad behavior is. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that this movie like draws on those anxieties and I think it's pretty effective. It is. I mean, I think there's some stuff even for a silly, silly kids movie that was largely forgotten for a while. I think there's some interesting stuff at play. I mean, one of them is, um, um, economic anxieties, you know, like mm -hmm. the whole reason the undertaker is sleazy is because the implication is he's very broke. So that's why he's switching out coffins, and that's why he's trying to charge for food and coffee, and uh, it is a small town, and it does seem, like, sort of run down, you know? Like, maybe there's some closed businesses. At one point, there are girls. Um, the girls, I mean, they hang out in this, like, uh, trailer sort of a thing behind a house. So you gotta wonder, like, why do they have that? It, it's very rural, let's say that. Uh, but yeah, also getting into, like, uh, anxieties of children. I mean, I think the thing I relate to the most is Andrew is like, I'm a wuss. And like sort of his arc in the film is he's like, does all this stuff and he's no longer a wuss. And it makes you wonder if he was ever really a wuss or if he was just like, uh, sensible basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what his mom says, right? She's like, you're not a wuss. You're sensible. It's just like, ah, but yeah, I Six mean, one you know, half that's, like, of another. <laughs> that's the Millhouse thing, though. My mom says I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. And I, to his credit, the father's just like, they're kids. They Well, he says they're boys, but I think that's just a thing for kids. Like, they have to get up to stuff, you know? Yeah, he's <laughs> like, they need to, you know, get some mud on them and, you know, go out go in have the adventures. woods. I don't think that's a thing anymore. I don't think parents no. think that anymore, <laughs> which... And we were talking the Ari Fray the Dark episode, like, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing, but I also feel like it's made maybe the kids growing into young adults a, a little too sheltered, maybe? It's yeah. like, maybe y'all should have, like, 
like prescribed like mud on the jeans time. Yeah. But well, I mean that's it... I mean that's also me being an older person and doing the whole generational bullshit which I hate, so. Right. Cuz I'm like I'm it's sure there are still kids that go outside. I hope so, you know. They got to do drugs somewhere. I was a very bookish, not athletic kid and I still like to go out in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I do my noon society. (laughs) I went out in the woods. I mean, like, you know, drinking a beer, drinking my Corona light at 15 or whatever. Like, (laughs) wow, I'm badass. Having read. I did go to a party one time that was okay. That was like in the woods proper and there was like a bonfire kind of a thing. And I was like, my God, I actually get to check that off my list. I've been to a bonfire party. Nice. Um, You know, not like I was fucking well liked or anything but i went <laughs> damn it there was no door so they could not keep me out um but anyway where were we? oh yeah so uh little kid hal i believe it's hal uh i cannot retain any hall sorry cannot retain any of these names <laughs> uh but hall shows up Basically beats up Mr. Bennett with a fake sword and steals his ring. Uh, You know, the implication being he's into Lord of the Rings, so it's the ring of power. And then uh, Mr. Bennett wakes up and he's like, well, I would add, he doesn't just wake up. Kenneth is like, oh, I got an idea. And he just punches him in the stomach to wake him up. That's rude. Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? (laughs) Kenneth has, Kenneth is a special boy. Um, yeah. but yeah, so Mr. Bennett is like, you know, you got to go find the, find the soul root for the good son. So Kenneth is like taking the hearse. Um, and you know, Andrew is like, you can drive, right? He's like, oh yeah. And they start driving and he's terrible at it. And then a cop is going to pull them over and Kenneth goes, oh no. And he's like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't have a license. <laughs> like something about his delivery was just like oh my god he's like andrew's like what's wrong he's like i don't have a license <laughs> he's like what why are you driving he's like i'm sorry <laughs> he just keeps saying it like that um but they get chased by a cop this is the other moment where i'm like wow this, is, this goes pretty hard for a children's movie um so the cop is trying to like you know ride them off the road basically because he's possessed um they managed to escape the cop somehow in a hearse uh let's see andrew gets out i mean he also figures out that kenneth has no idea where the grave is either and he's nope. like <laughs> he's like wait why are you where are you what are you doing i thought you knew where it was and he's like i'm sorry you know um <laughs> So I think Andrew goes off to try to figure it out himself. Somewhere in there, uh, a man is possessed who's got like a, a combine, like one of those things that like, you know, takes down the corn. It's huge, scary farm equipment and crashes into the um, the hearse. Uh, I don't remember what order that's in, though. It happens at some point. Anyway, Andrew's <laughs> in the cornfield and he gets surrounded by the girls in a borderline Brides of Dracula almost type of thing. Um, where they're just like, 
kiss her chi-chi. And I'm like, I don't like this line. And then they repeat no. the line, kiss her chi-chi. It's really like, I weird. wish you would stop <laughs> repeating this line. Yeah, they say it a couple times. He's like, what is it? I don't know. It's just like, but that is true to childhood, right? Like, people would say stuff that's just kind of an in-joke, and you'd be like, what? I don't know what that is. And right. I'm I mean, like, well, it, it fuck is, you. I'm not telling you. It's a line that makes no sense. I'm like, that does scan, actually. Yeah. Considering when I was a child, we had a doy, and then there were variations <laughs> of a doy. Like, there were regionalisms. We had doy hickey. And I'm like, what does that mean? Someone just added a word to it. Yep. It, it just meant you're stupid, but you know. Um, so yeah, Andrew doesn't kiss the girl because she's got a spider in her mouth. So he gets chased by one of the bigger girls. He does actually use something his brother taught him, which is this takedown where you're sort of hiding and then you do a leg lock and knock someone over. He does that to the larger um, Girl Scout. Somehow he ends up in the grave of uh, the bad son. I think because he's actually like where the good son is buried. And, uh, you know, I do think it's funny whoever plays the bad son. Like, I when I said kids, I figured like kid kids, you know? Yeah. But like, this is like an 18 year old or something. Yeah, I thought it was a like middle-aged woman at first. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just like the makeup and stuff. Eighteen-year-old doing his best Freddy Krueger. It sounds like. Yeah. Robert England, but yeah, and then uh, of course you know Andrew finds the good son's skeleton, uh, breaks the soul root, and then he comes to, and the sun is shining, and everything's okay. Nobody's possessed anymore. And no one is possessed anymore, and his brother apologizes to him, sort of. Um, we cut to... He gives a flower to that girl. He does give a flower to that over the girl, and she now. makes a joke about not giving her a card, and I'm like, oh my god, lady. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think the implication is... does it, Is there a time... Does it say like a year later? I don't think it specifies. Some amount of time yeah. later, apparently Andrew is dating this young lady and they're back hanging out with Mr. Bennett. Um, there's there's some choice lines. There's another line about, do you ever tell him that Kenneth is like, you ever tell him the story about the guy we embalmed who wasn't all the way dead? I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was dark. <laughs> yeah, it's super dark. Um, but he's like, for another time, you know. And then the sort of a cute ending. Um, Carl is actually with Hall uh, in his little shack, and they're like playing Lord of the Rings, basically. And that's the end of the movie. And we got wow, 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 wow. They, they, someone wrote that song, and by God, they're going to use it twenty times in that movie. <laughs> it's the only song, other than that, like weird country music. Other than one. the weird invented country music songs, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one that um, Gary's listening to, at least, is like, I'm a mega Batman or something like that. I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> Tri driving, computer, use it. I'm like, what is this? This is telling a story. They exist. <laughs> Ballads for the new millennium. Yeah, I will say, um, watching the rip that had all the old children's ads, 
it, it made it so much more confusing because at least when you're just <laughs> watching the movie as an adult, you're like, okay, I, I guess. But then you see the the ads they put around it when it first aired, and it's like stuff for like a Barbie dream home and like tricks and like Legos. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, okay. But so if this is like for little, little kids, this is not for little, little kids. No, no. And like, I guess it, it's pretty good. Right. But like it shows its hand as a kid's feature because it, it takes a lot of detours and like kids movies always do that. I mean, I like, to, like. I guess what I variety. like about it is there are parts that are genuinely unnerving, like to yeah. me now. So if I saw yeah. this at twelve, that would have messed me up. It's got some really like kind of body horror, and not the way that like kids programming usually is, like with the haunted mask and stuff, or like yeah. werewolf stories. It's like you are going to die <laughs> someday, and worms are going to eat you. Like that shit freaked me out so much when I was a kid. I mean, like, they have a an undertaker that hangs out with them. Yeah. Who is very upfront about death. And further, there's like jokes about death because he's bad at it. So they're just like, he's just like, oh, all these dead bodies aren't very good because I'm not good yeah. at my job. <laughs> it's really dark, you know, uh, in an like existential way. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you just show those bodies, it's the Tales from the Crypt episode. <laughs> And then, Seth? well, if you aged everybody up to, like, 20-somethings. Right. <laughs> and it's just had the girls being topless for no reason. Um, That's Tales from the Crypt. That is Tales from the Crypt. Uh, but, yeah. No, I would recommend it. Um, I do think, you know, if you're a fan of stuff like the Goosebumps show and Are You Afraid of the Dark and, um, like, older kind of children's horror movies... Um, yeah, I would say it's recommended. For some reason, Labyrinth popped into my head, even though they're not very related. I think just because there's no. <laughs> an, I just think because there's an adult character. But there's usually an adult character. Yeah. But this one is really prevalent. Like, they knew they had Frank Langella, so. Yeah, yeah. And he's great. He, he does a great performance. And, like, I, I feel like the kids do a good job of like seeming to genuinely appreciate his friendship. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. I mean, dude, if I was 12, I'd hang out with that dude. He's fucking awesome. For sure. I would want to like see all the ghosts around where he works. Right. Like, yeah. What I did appreciate was like, you know, in a lot of kids movies, it seems like they sort of gloss over the parents and like, don't involve them in any way. But like, mm -hmm. these seemed like real parents. Like the mom gets into that <laughs> sort of like very typical mom argument with the son. Um, and then the dad is sort of like absentee and like, no, leave me out of this. And so like the inner, the inner fam, the inner familial dynamic seems like fairly true. And then obviously when Mr. Bennett's coming by, um, the mom is like, I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. And I can't really blame her because it's like, if he fucked up your mom's funeral. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. I mean, that's a really important job, right? Like you can't. And, yeah, I still go back to she wasn't presentable. It's like, what happened? <laughs> There's definitely a, like a... Something bad. <laughs> Kenneth mentions some sort of... I mean, he mentions the embalming, the person that wasn't all the way dead. But like, there's another thing just about like Kenneth being like, yeah, that time we screwed up the whatever. So they're, they're, they're screwing stuff up. Yep. 
I don't know. That's not something to be taken lightly. <laughs> no, it isn't, but they do take it lightly in the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting film. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. I don't, I mean, obviously they never gave it the DVD treatment because they didn't, they shelved it and they only brought it back when people were talking about it online, so. Yeah, they're like, let's give it another whirl. Yeah, but I do think it's interesting. It's got some interesting shots, uh, some good kind of spooky children's stuff. And I, I do think we have a, a lack of good, maybe like children's horror stuff. But we've had yeah. this conversation, I think, on the first Are You Afraid of the Citizens episode about how kids now just, like, go to YouTube or go online for their spooky stuff. So um, maybe there's less of a need for children's, like, TV, you know? Yeah. Which does open its own bag of worms as well, because then you're getting into, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was about to go really dark, <laughs> so I didn't actually mean it to be a joke. Um, the Slenderman case about the little girl that, like, stabbed that other girl. Who was going to do right. it for Slenderman? Because Slenderman became such a thing on the internet, and like little kids were just like watching all these videos and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a dangerous tool to have when your sense of reality is still kind of negotiable. I mean, yeah, you I see that even the, just with adults too. That's like the main difference because it's like the the children's shows and movies. Like there had to be sort of a this committee. That like approved it. So like even like Laughing in the Dark, which messed me up a lot, the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, you know, there were producers, there were like people that were like, okay, this is okay, or you know, this is too much, that sort of a thing. You don't have that online. It's just like usually one person being like, Hey, I did this really graphic art of Slender Man, or I made this Slender Man movie, and it's like there's no oversight, so is what yeah. it is. But, I mean, for something that is an hour and ten minutes and for free on YouTube, give it a watch if that's stuff you like. You know, that kind of, like, late 90s, 2000s horror kids stuff. I do nostalgia. think it's a good like, movie for Halloween. It's, like, a good yeah. Halloween vibes. I, I know this week I'm going to be watching uh, Over the Garden Wall, which is Ooh. also another great sort of, like, children's uh, horror type thing that's more of a folk horror tip and it's also animated so like i mean that one's like legitimately like crybaby lane is like good but like you know quote good unquote <laughs> right. it's like good if you like are you afraid of the dark good but like over the garden wall is just good good um yeah it's actually good <laughs> actually good yes but i've been getting in the spirit this eye patch is hurting me but i've been wearing it the entire <laughs> i will maybe post a pic before i post this episode just so <laughs> people can see i legitimately have an eye patch on so i'm getting in the spirit this is the first time in a long time i'm going to work on halloween because i recently started a new job a few months ago yeah um and i'm not using a vacation day for it so i'm excited to wear what i wear on the weekends to work <laughs> there you go uh black lipstick and a skeleton shirt there so, you go not yeah. too, nothing too outlandish but i, don't, I mean i you know i don't want to well, if I'm posting the eye patch, I might as well. I am going as a Venom Snake, aka Big Boss from Metal Gear Solid Five. It's been a long ordeal. I still have to find a horn, and I still have to find pants that match my uh, the top I managed to get. 
that was where I messed up. I should have just got like a full fatigue set because then you know it's yeah. matched. But what are you gonna do, yeah, man? I was operating under the false assumption that it was a a short sleeve shirt. When really, from a different angle, I saw it's a normal fatigue. He just rolls up the sleeves on. I'm like, God damn it. That's what's hard to tell about video game costumes. Like, you got to really study them. Yeah, the hard thing about video game stuff is like, they're, you know, there's physics they work in, but they're not real physics. So like the eye patch, for instance, it's right. like <laughs> his hair looks in no way messed up. And I got to tell you, it's very noticeable I'm wearing an eye patch on my hair because it's like bunching into the hair. Um, but it'll still be fun. I mean, I don't, I think last year I just went, my dad got me this terrible sun hat. It was just awful looking. It's this huge white abomination, this floppy sun hat. So I wore that with a shirt my parents got me when they went to Mexico from Playa del Carmen. That's, uh, Bart Simpson with his butt out. It says Ola on his butt. (laughs) And then I wore like, you know, swim trunks and sandals and I put zinc on my nose and I basically went as, I don't know, shitty tourist, shitty Mexican beach tourist. It worked. Yeah, hey. <laughs> but, like, I haven't dressed up in years, so it's funny. Yeah, I, either, but... I either don't dress up at all or, you know, it's like a skeleton t-shirt. Or I do this where I bought an actual tactical vest, tactical belt, functional eye patch. Um, Stuff you can use in our future yes apocalyptic wasteland yes when i'm i don't know if i'd want a gun but maybe like you know like a paintball gun that that's effective there you go (laughs) can't kill someone with it but you can certainly hurt them um startle them startle them them. (laughs) whatever shoot them in the cheek or whatever um but yes so cry baby lane (laughs) cry baby lane uh yeah so go check it out um yeah this is almost an hour long episode what do you know you could have just watched crybaby late in you the could have time just watched crybaby late so why um, don't you go do that so yeah tiffany you got anything to promote your book my book yes thank you for reminding me um my book elegies of rotting stars a horror poetry collection featuring poems that were published in nightmare magazine and bastarian places I've been honored to have my work um, is coming out in early November. So please stay tuned for that. Yeah, we got the ebook done. Very proud because I formatted it myself. Uh, one Michael Adams, thank you. Uh, did Thanks, the bud. formatting work after I hired some guy that fucking sucked whose name will not be mentioned because I'm, <laughs> I'm not that much of a jerk yet. Um, so yeah. I just need to talk to Luke Spooner about the wraparound, and then we're good to go. And usually that doesn't take very long, honestly, if they have the dimensions, which he will. So that's exciting. So that'll be for November. And uh, let's see, on my end, uh, right now, currently available is The Last Halloween Above Ground as an ebook for 99 cents. My first novel, Jesus Christ, my first novel, my second novel, Goddamn Zombie Chainsaw Murderer. (laughs) Um, is available. It is about a goddamn zombie chainsaw murderer. There's a sexy witch. There's lesbians. There's lots of stuff. Talking wolf. A little cat. Lake George. Lots of cigarettes. And it's set in 1996, so there's a lot of grunge music. Uh, 90s references. And 90s references, yes. Um, 
And recently the audiobook was finished, uh, which is very good. So if you're into audiobooks, uh, check that out. And yeah, I think that's going to do it uh, for Celluloid Citizens. I'm Sean M. Thompson. And I'm Tiffany Morris. And uh, yeah, don't destroy the soul root. That sounds like a weird innuendo. <laughs>